You're listening to the Reconciling Hope Podcast, where the leadership team of Gospel Hope Church discusses how the Bible transforms our beliefs, actions, and impacts our relationship with God and with others. Well, hey, good morning, Gospel Hope and all others who tune in to the Reconciling Hope Podcast. We are back after uh, Pastor Ryan shared with us uh, uh, the final leg of actually our uh, series where we're really pressing into our mission. We want to be a church who uh, who makes disciples who are growing in the gospel as a family while our mission. And, um, you know, one of the, um, uh, well, the message that you shared with us this past Sunday I was um, there was a there's a tagline that I have from it's not necessarily the title well the title is Heaven's Accent but the tagline is if I'm not mistaken transform lives should result in transform mouths so uh, or something of that effect if, if if the gospel was really working within us it should transform our speech and mm-hmm. so you did a you painted a lot of coats there were a lot of layers on uh, just transformed speech and if I got them right it's uh, articulate the truth is number one address the issue number two. Uh, affirm the hearers, number three, and then apply the gospel. These are This is the kind of work that should be happening in both our hearts and in our mouths when we as believers um, um, speak. And um, you made this reference, and I want to just get right into the, uh, to the talk this morning. Uh, you made this reference around heaven's accent, which is the title, and the idea that when believers show up, wherever it is, and we open our mouths, people make the statement, hey, while you may be fluent in the language, you're not from around here, are you? Um, because they notice that we are different. Now, I, and I think anyone who's been a believer for any matter of time has probably experienced that comment. And usually it's around the fact that you're not profane. Um, you don't necessarily giggle at the same jokes that everyone else does. You're somewhat mm-hmm. kind of reserved, even though you're in the room uh, in many regards. Uh, but you speak to it in a whole nother way. It isn't just about our um, having a different kind of humor and this kind of thing. You say that there is a kind of definitive impact we should have when we speak into, uh, when we speak, period, no, no matter where it is. And, and there's a, a question that I have um, for you uh, regarding that, uh, from, from a new believer, from an outsider perspective. I would suggest that some people would accuse us not of having a heavenly accent, but actually having somewhat of a muzzle, right? Mm-hmm. This idea that Christians, what, what marks their speech seems like they're these people who will really cover up what they really mean, or uh, they're always speaking in cliches or niceties or Christian ease. They're trying to be positive, great, but uh, how would you respond to that? Because that seems quite a bit different from what you taught us on Sunday. Yeah, I, I do believe, let me start by saying that I do believe believers should be more careful in their speech than unbelievers. And um mm-hmm. The reason for that is it's really about anthropology. You know, the, the, the Disney line is follow your heart. Well, mm-hmm. if you're a believer, you know that you can't just do that carte blanche. Like you, you have to have a natural skepticism towards your heart um, because the Bible says the heart is deceitful and desperately yeah. wicked. In other words, our hearts are capable of deceiving ourselves. And therefore, mm-hmm. um, we need to be careful in the words that we say because we know that, man, maybe not the first thing that comes to mind or the first thing that we feel is the best or the most helpful thing to say in the situation. So I would say that that would kind of be the overview. Yes, I, I, I really think Christians are well served when they follow the instructions of Jane, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Just be a little more measured 
in the way that we use our words because words are very powerful things. They have the power to heal and they have the power to harm. Um, I, I think in terms of, man, um, maybe this critique, like you're not really being authentic. You're, you're, you're fake if you're being measured in your speech. I would say this, um, it is important for Christians to be honest, but we also need to be transformed. Here, here's what I mean by this. The longer that you walk with Jesus, the more that your priorities and the disposition of your heart is going to align with Jesus's. And therefore, the words that you speak are going to be more otherworldly in one sense. Like we should increasingly not fit in. Uh, again, not that we don't speak the vernacular of the of the um, society that we live or our culture. But as you're growing in your relationship with Christ, man, something happens to you. Your heart really does begin to change. And you are able to, with real authenticity, say, oh, this suffering is terrible, but I am trusting the Lord. If that sounds cliche, I, I understand. But at the same time, we want that to be an accurate reflection of what's actually going on in our heart. Now, if it is cliche, if you don't really mean it, that's not speaking honest words that the Bible encourages us, uh, us away from. But people that really walk deeply with Jesus after a time, um, they do feel like out of place in some sense. You look at them and you're like, man, this person is not from this world. And I think that's the evidence of Christ transforming power. Uh, that's a compliment rather than a critique when people find us to be different. At least yeah. we should we should feel that. Yeah, um, yeah. Don't be glib. Don't be right. curt. Don't be intentionally cliche. But right. try to be authentic from, try to be transformed in your relationship with Jesus. And as we know, like, man, when I spend time in the word and prayer, different things come out of my mouth. Um, and if I do that for a decade or two or three or four, different things are going to come out of my mouth, Lord willing. Yeah. Speaking of different things coming out of your mouth, uh, in your first point, you, uh, which was articulate the truth, you, you really, I, I don't know if everybody caught this, but you really underscored, or as, as our good friend Daniel said, you double clicked on this notion that while the Bible tells us not to lie, that's a given. Most people are probably on board with not lying. But you want to step further. There's this other side of that conversation, which is we should be people who are articulating the truth. Mm -hmm. And our, our, um, our uh, desire to not lie can sometimes veil itself, or excuse me, the, the, the temptation to lie can veil itself in other ways. Around, you, you pointed out embellishing the truth, uh, exaggerating, mm -hmm. uh, communicating in extremes, um, um, giving people the cold shoulder, uh, or back, you know, I guess uh, backdoor ways of saying the same thing, or having body language that's not consistent um, with what we really can, um, mean to say. Uh, I don't know, can you just kind of say more about where that temptation to be a people who, uh, yeah, while we're saying the right thing, we're actually meaning and emoting and conveying something else. What do you think that temptation comes from? Yeah, I think it's our hearts. Like our, our, our hearts are very self-focused by nature. You know, we are born I would say self-centered people. That's the nature of sin. That's the fundamental nature of sin. You don't think of others. You think of yourself. And mm -hmm. um, even our words, we, we, we kind of all know, society knows, oh, lying is bad. We shouldn't lie. But then right. these other things is 
I think our heart's tactics to convince us that we're okay when we're really stretching the truth to the point of breaking many times. Ron, you mm -hmm. always do that. Well, right. that's not really true, but I'm just trying to win an argument there. I, I, I'm trying to serve my own agenda. Uh, man, Rod, I had to ask you 50 times to take care of that. Well, yeah. what, what am I doing there? That's not true, but I'm trying to, you, you know, kind of tip the scales in my favor. It's a real self-centered approach. And I, I think that's why our hearts do it because we're by nature selfish. Yeah. You know, another thing comes to mind when, um, when I think about one of my tendencies on that list between embellish, exaggerate, extreme, backdoor, uh, body language differences, uh, there's the selfish dynamic. And then there is this, there is this desire to have maximum impact, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you know, just a desire. And, and I think our, um, uh, but there's ways to have maximum impact without necessarily stretching truth. You don't have to be, uh, again, you don't have to commit, uh, you know, participate in these other kind of four or five subcategories of communication we talked about. You can, you can actually use some of the other three things that you talked about, which are, you know, address the issue head on, be good and angry, uh, which is, I think, is a, kind of a clever way to express that, hey, even God's angry and he's good, but he has a good way, a redeeming way to speak to things. Um, and then, of course, affirming the hearer, I think you shared with us. So there are ways to have optimal impact if that's what we're really trying to do, change the situation or, or whatever, uh, without necessarily having to stretch truth. Mm -hmm. uh, um, there, there is one statement and another statement that I want to double click on, and that is, uh, why do you think the devil um, delights individuals? You said that. Why does the devil delight individuals? Yeah, I, I mean, he's the accuser. He's the father of lies and he's the opposite of God. God is love, um, mm -hmm. meaning God seeks the best of others, but the devil mm -hmm. comes to kill and steal and destroy. He, he wants our ruin. And if he can ruin our relationships, uh, he, he delights in that. It's just his nature. And so, man, when we are contentious, um, people that use our words to tear others down you know the pastor says the devil gets a foothold he gets an opportunity there and uh man we need to remember that there is a spiritual dimension that is going on all around us even in our mundane communication and when we use our words to tear down rather than build up man the devil just he, he's on cloud nine uh, because he loves it when people, particularly believers, are at each other's throats and against one another. Um, his nature is a murderer and a liar and a thief and uh, the, the antithesis of love. Yeah, I couldn't help but think about the Proverbs uh, where it says there are six things, yet seven that the Lord hates, right? A proud look, a lying, uh, proud look, a lying tongue. Uh, a heart that divides with the imagination, speak that be swift and running to mischief. And I think you go down to the bottom of the list and it was, he that sowed discord among brethren. That's how mm -hmm. King Day, that's how mm -hmm. you went wrong. Uh, but um, yeah, I can't help but, you know, if, but but how many of those are, are tongue and disposition oriented? It's so interesting, mm -hmm. outlook, lying tongue, and then you fast forward down there, uh, he that sows discord among brethren. And so it's not only the devil that delights in it, God hates it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. So, um, well, well, hey, um, was there, obviously there's, there's a lot that we could point to that's happening in our nation recently, but 
I'll give you this opportunity. Was there a particular cultural moment that really stood up in your mind as you were crafting this message around just the need to live transformed lives that show up in, in our words? Yeah. Um, I, I think um, the church at large would have been well, well served just to follow that instruction to speak only words that build up. You know, mm -hmm. in our recent election cycle and all of that, for some reason, people that I think really have an authentic relationship with Christ get behind a keyboard and somehow mm -hmm. think that anything goes in terms of their communication. Like I can use my words to uh, name call and slander and tear down and barb um, other believers and even people that may not know the Lord, but are human beings made in the image of God. And we feel like somehow, somehow the keyboard makes that permissible in some ways. And it, it's not. Our words, as I said, have power to heal and harm. And that passage is so convicting because it says only, like, like not mostly, like only speak words that minister grace to the hearer. And um, so many of the words that have been spoken or typed, that's not the intent at all. It's, it's not about ministering grace to other people. So I think that was really a burden that I had in my heart as I was thinking through this culturally. Yeah. I remember, um, you know, obviously, so growing up in hip hop culture and as a Christian, when I say grow up, I grew up just kind of in the emergence of that culture mm -hmm. and the language within hip hop became all the more, um, uh, less Christian. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and this is very much part of your cultural disposition, very much part of how you're growing up. And so I remember the fight uh, as a teenager around clean speech. And I remember there was a passage that James uh, offered. The picture of that passage from James 3 was so powerful. He talked about, uh, I think it's James 3, man, how can a fountain bring forth both bitter and sweet water? How can a fountain, uh, uh, how can a mouth that is supposed to be dedicated to worshiping God also be committed to the destruction of one's fellow man. Mm -hmm. And obviously we know that as a moral thing, but the picture of a fountain that we we found out that a central drinking fountain gave out both bad and good water, we would avoid that fountain altogether. And I, that was just such a powerful reminder to me that that passage just came back into my mind as I was thinking about Kind of the cultural moment and what it is that influences our speech so much and and if, if a believer out there is really struggling to grow in that area how powerfully the bible speaks to it and give us some great not just wisdom but some ways to look at why it's important that these mouths uh build up that these mouths speak and do things that um are consistent that are clean that are edifying um yeah. so well and there are you know, I think we have to think carefully about this if we're really trying to grow in our relationship with the Lord. You just have to realize that there are there are brands of humor and um, patterns of speech. And I don't just mean like cursing or, you know, kind of sexual innuendo, but there are brands of humor and patterns of speech in our culture at large that a Christian can't biblically participate in because they're not aimed at building up, they're aimed at tearing down. And we just need to be aware of that. Like we're called to live counterculturally and a, 
And a big litmus test, if we're doing that, is in the way that we talk. Yeah, yeah, it is. So we talk as a church, part of our culture, is we talk about these three very dynamic relationships. One, we want to grow up, uh, you know, in our relationship. We want to grow in the gospel. We want to grow inward, you know, as a family. Uh, and we want to grow out in a relationship with the world. Which of those uh, was paramount in your mind as you were um, thinking through this message? Yeah, it was Connect Sunday for us. So I was really thinking about the way that believers speak to one another. And then um, the way that believers should encourage one another to speak to one another and to speak to others. So, you know, all three of them are in there. We can't speak in godly ways if we're not relating rightly to the Lord. Um, the world will notice if we talk to one another in a godly way and it will be countercultural. But I think the primary relationship I was thinking about is believers interactions with one another and man if we would just kind of follow these rules what a testimony that would be to the outside world it would be like wow these people they just interact in a way that's different and it's weird but i kind of think i like it yeah absolutely absolutely uh you know when the chips are down we always want to talk to somebody who's going to teach grace to us mm -hmm. not necessarily um um not address issues but someone who when we speak to them it's like man we're talking about tough stuff but man when i leave this person's presence or when i'm talking to them i feel built up i feel you know i feel like i've you know that, that was very a gracious way to address even a tough topic and That's so right. I, I, it even has a functional testimony it isn't just mm -hmm. the words people who are honest about the folks that they love talking to the most when the chips are really down would probably agree that they want someone who speaks in a way that affirms and builds up, addresses the truth and articulates that and applies the gospel. Uh, mm -hmm. We want that. That's so, then, right. so I would say, um, where would one locate a listener? Uh, where would one locate the reconciling hope of the gospel in, in all that we talked about on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, this is a tall order. Like you you look at this and like, I, I've, I've worked through this passage many times and kind of these principles are things that I've thought about for a really long time. Um, and actually even articulated, um, but they're hard to do. I mean, it's just like, wow, uh, speak honestly and, and give grace with my words and extend forgiveness and compassion. Like those are not, they do not come naturally for us. And I think the reconciling hope of the gospel is you back up earlier in the passage. Basically, Paul says, um, hey, don't live like you used to live. You can live this new way because Christ died to make that a reality. He, he died so you could put off your old self and put mm -hmm. on your new self. So man, I think the reconciling hope is this is I don't care what your pattern of speech is right now. If you read a passage like this or hear a message on this and just feel like really convicted about a number of things, lean into the work of Christ and you can be right with God and with other people, your speech can actually change because Jesus, I think I said it at the end, something like Jesus didn't come to just redeem your soul, but your speech as well. And uh, mm -hmm. that's an effect of Christ's work on our behalf. Amen. Amen. Way, thanks for walking us through that and keeping it extremely practical places that we could use it. I am looking forward to uh, re-engaging with my uh, community group as we have now rebooted our groups uh, this week and get a chance to actually practice some of these ways that we're going to communicate and connect with each other in meaningful ways. Um, so I'm looking forward to what the Lord has on the horizon for Gospel Hope Church. Um, you have any parting comments before we sign off? That's it. Get connected to a community group if you haven't already. 
Amen. All right. Goodbye, y'all. See you guys. Thank you for listening to the Reconciling Hope podcast. Be sure to subscribe for future content on podcast platforms like Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Gospel Hope Church is located in Atlanta, Georgia, with the mission of making disciples who are growing in the gospel as a family while on mission. If you're interested in learning more, tune into our Facebook Live services Sundays at 11 a.m. or check out gospelhopechurch.com.